Hey, well, last week we started a brand new series called Elephant in the Family Room. And uh, throughout the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at marriage, family, and relationships. And uh, that's something that every single person in here, that's something that we all uh, need help with because we're not perfect people, okay? None of us are. And so last week we started talking about marriage, and uh, today we're going to continue on talking about marriage. And uh, I want to talk about this concept that I feel like we all, every single one of us, we get it, we understand. Um, you know, it's kind of a common sense deal, but I don't feel like the way that we live our life really reflects um, our understanding of this. And that is this, a good marriage doesn't just happen, right? Right? Okay. A good marriage, it just, it just doesn't happen, okay? A marriage is filled with a bunch of different pieces and parts that have to be put together in the right way in order for a marriage uh, to be good, in order for us to, to do marriage really the right way. And uh, God, he actually gives us the specific instructions of how to put those pieces and parts together. And so that's what we're going to be talking about uh, this morning. Um, I remember a few years ago, I was uh, at this guy's house and we were, I was helping him put up a ceiling fan, okay? Ceiling fan, that's something that's pretty easy. Probably most of us men in here, we could, we could put one up, no problem, not a big deal. And so uh, we open up the box and what do you got usually right on top? The instructions, right? Okay, so we got the instructions there, but we're men. And most of us men, we do this. We've all done this at some point. We throw those instructions out, we don't need instructions, all right? Guys don't need those. We just need the parts. We need to put these parts together. And so we get, these, we get this fan out. We're putting it together. I know what a fan looks like, you know, and so it all makes sense. And, and we get it mounted up there, and it looks good. And we're looking at it's one of those fans that got, like, the, the three different lights shining down. You know, it's going to look real nice, and it's there. And I go over, and it's like, you know, the moment of truth. You go over to the light switch, and you're going to try this thing on. And so I flip, I flip the fan on, and I'm looking at it. And the blades start spinning, and I'm like, that's good. All right, all right. But there's a problem with the lights are also spinning, and that's bad. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking at the guy I'm with, and by the way, um, I blame him for most of it. I think it was most of his fault anyway. I think he was the one that screwed the thing in the wrong, wrong spot, and that guy actually was my father. Um, <laughs> he doesn't tell those types of stories, but... Uh, what we had to do is we had to go and we had to take this thing back apart, figure out where the problem is. We probably at that point pulled out the instructions and tried to figure out what was going on. Um, but God gives us specific instructions on how a good marriage is supposed to be put together. And a lot of us guys, when we're faced with a situation like that, when we open up a box of this thing that has to be put together, a lot of times we're thinking to ourselves, we're like, hey, I got this. I'm good. Right, I'll, I'll make it work. I'll figure it out along the way. I know how it's supposed to look. And too many times we have that same mindset within our marriage. And, uh, and, and that becomes a problem. I feel like especially all of us, we've all done this um, if, we've, if, um, if we're married uh, at, the, at the beginning, Right? I mean, think about it. Marriage, you got your wedding day, and that's a little hectic. And then, but you got the first few weeks of marriage, and it's all good. 
you know, you're having fun. A lot of you times you're on a honeymoon and it's new and it's exciting and it's fun and everybody's meeting everybody's expectations and, and you're not wondering, you know, as a lot of people later on in their life, they're, you're, not, you're, you're not at that point where you're wondering if you made a mistake or not thinking about how much the other person bothers you or you're not thinking about how much you went out. You're not thinking about any of that because, because it's new, it's fun and exciting. Everybody's meeting uh, each other's expectations. And, and to be honest, you're not even worried. Because your mind, you have that mindset. You're going, hey, I'm good. I got this. I'll figure it out. I'm going to make it work. But then what happens? A few months go by. An experience happens. And you begin to experience marriage. And that person uh, that, uh, that, that you married doesn't quite live up to maybe your lofty expectations. And they don't always do it the way that you want it done. And they don't live the way that, uh, that you always, you know, you got to switch things up in your life. And marriage isn't exactly what you thought it was going to be. And the problem is this. The problem is we have this gap in between our expectations, the way we think marriage is going to be, and our experience. See, what we experience in our marriage ends up being a lot different. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, match up with the way that we thought marriage was going to be like. All right, our experience doesn't match our expectations. And, this, and, and we, there's this gap in between, and that causes problems. Um, a lot of this, and, and here's, here's one problem, and for us married people, it's over for us. There's nothing we can do to fix this. But for you single people out there, I thought of this one thing, and I'm not saying this is wrong. I'm not saying the Bible says not to do this because it, it doesn't talk about this at all. And I don't, I don't think it is wrong, and, and uh, I don't know how to fix it. It's just how it is. But part of the problem that leads to this is when we are dating, right, a lot of times we are fake, Okay, we hide ourselves. Does that make sense? We don't want the person that we're dating because they, we want them to like us back. All right, we don't want to show them um, exa- all, the, all the, you know, exactly of who we are. Uh, and the parts that we hide, by the way, are the bad stuff, right? Does that make sense? Okay, we don't, we don't, you know, the worst parts of us, we don't want them to see it. And some of it's just dumb. I remember um, this was, I was with Kate and this was our second date, I believe. And... Um, she wanted to go on a picnic, okay? I'm not a romantic type guy like I should be, but I'm just, I'm not like wired that way. And so, but I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, hey, I can handle a picnic. Like I can, I can figure that out. And so we, uh, she wants to do this. So I, I grab a blanket and then I, we go to the store. And I'm like, you know, pick out whatever you want for the picnic, you know, grab some food. And she decides she wants peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And part of me is going, hey, that's good. This is going to be cheap. This might work out, Okay. But the other part of me is like, I hate jelly. I don't like jelly, but I'll be good because I'll just make some peanut butter sandwich only. And that's, that's how I roll and I'll be okay with that. Some of you guys are like, what? That's gross. It's not that bad. And so um, we, we grab the food and she actually, she, she, gets, she picks out this jelly that's not like, it's not like normal jelly, okay? I thought jelly was only grape, but you can get all kinds of different jellies, all kinds of weird stuff. And some of you guys are into that, and that's, that's weird, okay? Um, there's a whole aisle full of jelly. And so she picks out this weird jelly, and I'm like, definitely not going to like that. And, um, but I'm not going to say anything because I want her to like me. I'm like, oh, I, I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. That's a great idea. Let's do this. 
And so we go to um, this park that's nearby, and we go, we walk up to the top of this hill, and it's, all, it's a grassy hill, and, and it's good to throw down the blanket. And you got, you got uh, kind of rolling hills. This is in Virginia where we first met. You got mountains in the background. It's a great spot, all right? And we sit there, and she starts making me some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And I, so I didn't get to make my own. So she starts making it. She's doing nice. And, she, and I'm watching her. She's like loading the jelly on, this weird jelly. And I'm like, oh, I can handle it, all right? I'm not going to say anything. And so she hands me the sandwich. We, still, we got chips and stuff. We start eating. And I'm like, it's like hard for me to get this down. I'm like, this is terrible. But I'm doing it. And so I finally, I finally get the down. And then she starts making me another one. And she's loading on more jelly. It's like she's trying to empty out the bottle. I don't know what she was doing. And she's, she's putting more jelly. She's, and she hands me another sandwich. And I eat about half of this. And I'm like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And so, like most men do, we're really good at this. I cause a distraction. I'm like, I'm getting rid of this sandwich. You can't just throw it in the trash can. There's no trash cans around. We're on top of this grassy hill. There's not even trees. And so um, I look to her, to her and I'm like, oh, man, look at that bird. I think I pointed at a bird as if I'm into birds, okay? I'm not, all right? <laughs> I'm like, look at that bird. And she turns around. And when she does this, my plan is I'm going to throw it as far as I can behind me. And she won't even know. When, she, when we stand up and leave, she won't see it. I'm going to throw it super far back. But instead of throwing it as far as I could behind me, I accidentally released wrong. This happens sometimes. And I threw it as high as I could. And she turns back around about 10, 12 seconds later, this peanut butter and jelly sandwich falls out of the heaven about 10 feet behind me. And it was terrible. It, and I, then I had to explain everything like, oh, man, this is probably not going to make the third date. But we did. All right? She accepted it. But you get what I'm saying is that sometimes, I mean, even the stupid stuff, stuff that doesn't matter at all, we hide from the people that we date. And that, in theory, you know, the, the way that we date, it almost sets ourselves up for a letdown on expectations in marriage. And when our expectations and our experience don't match up and we have this gap that forms, we get offended. It starts to bother us. And the longer it goes, the more it starts to drive us crazy and that leads to problems. And the question we should be asking ourselves is why? Like, why is this a big deal? Why? Well, and and this, this happens to us all to a certain extent. Some people more than, than others totally understand that. But why is this such a big deal when experience doesn't match our expectations, especially within marriage? And the answer comes down to we are super selfish, selfish, selfish people. We're just really, 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 really selfish. We only think about ourselves most of the time. And, and, and we put ourselves first. And really, I think we do that, especially within our culture. Everybody does this all over the world, but especially in our culture. But our, because our culture is extremely individualistic. That's what we're all about. Meaning, and when I say that, I mean the individual rules. Okay, the individual is the ruler. And when we buy into something, we expect it to match our expectations. I mean, think about it. You go to a restaurant. You order the food. The food comes. And it's not the way that you want it. Or it's not the way that you expect it. What do we do? We send it back. 
right? You go to a store, you buy an item, and you take it home, open it up, and, you know, it's not, it doesn't work the way that you thought it was going to work. What do we do? We return it. This individual rules, okay, this individual ruler thinking is how we are taught to live in our culture, and this thinking completely destroys marriage. I mean, think about it. On your wedding day, what are you doing? You're making a promise, right? Right? Yeah, some of you guys are like, is that what I did? Yeah, you made a promise. Okay, that's what a marriage is, is making a promise or a vow. All right, we're not trying to strike a deal. I mean, imagine if you went to a wedding. Let's say you went to a wedding in here. You put on your, your super nice wedding clothes. You're looking good. You come to church. Uh, you sit in these seats. And then uh, the, the groom comes out on stage and the bride, she comes down the middle of the aisle and they meet each other on stage and it's dreamy and they're looking at each other in their eyes and they're holding hands and they start their vows and the wife says something like, or I guess the bride, she says something like, I promise to stay with you until death do us part if you make $100,000 a year. <laughs> it doesn't happen, okay? Or, and, then, and then he counters and says, I promise uh, to stay with you as long as you always look the same, okay, as you do today, right? I mean, we'd be sitting there and we're like, uh, that's not marriage, Okay, and she says this, and he says that, and they go back and forth, and they counter each other. That's not what marriage is. We're not up there bartering. We're not striking a deal. We're making a promise. We're making a commitment. It's called a vow. That's why we call them vows. In fact, we say things that is really crazy if you think about it. We say things like, for better or for worse, I'll stay with you in sickness and in health. For good times and bad, for rich or for poor. All right, those are the things we say out loud. I mean, think about it. Why would we say yes to a marriage if for worse was a possibility? Why do we do that? I mean, even on our wedding day, we are acknowledging that some days it's going to be hard. All right, on your wedding day, you said out loud, this could get bad. On your wedding day, you said out loud, this could get way, way, way worse than, than anything we've ever experienced, but I'm in. See, that's God's view of, marriages, of marriage. And too many times we see marriage where the husband views himself as the supreme ruler of the house. All right? Too many times we see a marriage where the wife views herself as the supreme ruler of the house, meaning whatever she says goes, she calls the shots. And you put two rulers in the same house, historically that's what causes wars, okay? It doesn't work out well. And our thinking is, our thinking is, hey, you adjust to me, okay? You become the person that I want you to become. You become the person that's perfect for me or I'm out. It's very consumeristic, and we get that from our culture. That's how our culture is, and really, that's how our, our sinful nature um, works within us, and that is not how marriage is supposed to work. Actually, the Bible tells us to really have the opposite thinking to both men and women. And so, really quick, I want to look at um, a few difficult verses that many, 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 many churches in our society today skip over. They don't talk about because it's awkward. It makes us feel uncomfortable. It's, it's extremely countercultural, but it's something that God has given us these instructions saying, hey, this is how 
a marriage is supposed to work. And here at Grace, we talk about these every year. Um, we got to remember that God is the architect of marriage. He designed marriage. He created it. And God has written out the, this, uh, these instructions saying, hey, this is what a marriage, this is how it works. This is how you put the different pieces and parts together to make a marriage work. Sure, you, it's kind of like the fan. Sure, you could put a marriage without using, uh, without using the different pieces and parts and not putting them together the right way. And it looks good, maybe from the outside, but it doesn't work how God w- created it to work. And so God instructs us, you and I, men and women, on how a marriage is supposed to function. And first, God has instructions to the women. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, says, Wives, be subjects to your own husbands as to the Lord. Real quick, I want to talk about this word, be subject. That word is better translated, submit. Wives, submit to your own husbands to the Lord. And the word submission in here, in the Hebrew, or in the, in the Greek, what it's, what it's talking about is, hey, you got two equal people, and one person is to voluntarily submit themselves under the other. Does it make them less valuable? It doesn't make them worth less. It's saying you got two equal people, and one has to voluntarily submit themselves under the other. Next, next verse. So wives, yeah, wives be subject to your own husbands. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church, and he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Real quick, I want to point out this last word, everything. Don't really want to talk about it. Just want to point it out. All right. That's what the Bible says. Okay, a lot of people out there, it's like, well, I'll submit in this area, in this area, in this area, but not this area. No way. Okay. All right. There's that. If, if you're a woman in here, all right, and, and you're already starting to take offense, just like breathe. Okay, we're going to talk about this. Um, I don't think this is going to sound as bad as we uh, get through it. It's complete, I totally understand it's completely against our culture. And, and some of you, this bothers you. You're sitting here, you're like, that's not right. That, I, don't, I don't agree with that. All right, others of you, and probably mostly men, you're going, oh, yes, yeah, I like that word. Okay. All right, that's, it, it, some of you are going, hey, this is the reason why I left the church. It's because of verses like that, the parts of the Bible that are like that. That doesn't sound fair. That's not equality. All right, what's going on here? I thought God views us as equals. And so I just want to point this out. We know that both men and women are created equal in God's sight. We, we know that they are both created in the image of God. Okay, we see that all the way back in Genesis We know that both men and women have equal access to God. We know that both men and women are equally valued by God. But as we look at the Bible and we start trying to figure out how we need to live our life and how a marriage is supposed to fit together and what pieces and parts go together the right way, we see that God has given man and woman different roles within the family. He's given us different jobs. It's almost as if God's saying, hey, I value you equally. You are both worth the same to me. I love you both, but I made men and women different. 
and I've given them different jobs. And I did that on purpose. Right? I mean, think about the creation story. God makes Adam first, okay? And then he looked at Adam and he said, hey, that's good. But then just a little while later in the next chapter, we see that God looks at Adam and he says, hey, it's not good for Adam to be alone. Like, this is a perfect situation for him. And God doesn't go to Adam and say, hey, Adam, are you good? Um, you know, it, how you feeling? You feeling lonely? Have you found anybody? He doesn't do that. All right, God looks at Adam and says, it's not good for man to be alone. And I know exactly what he needs. And the Bible says that uh, God made Adam out of Adam a helper. Okay, that's the word that the Old Testament says. Now, there's something you got to know about this word because I know in today's culture that's extremely offensive because we view the word helper as, as not equal. We view the word helper as somebody who's, who's worthless. That's not how God views it. All right? This word helper is by no means a negative thing at all. Throughout the entire Old Testament, this Hebrew word for helper, we see God used to describe himself. In relation to Israel. Throughout the entire Old Testament, God's saying, hey, I am Israel's helper. I am a helper. And so it's by no means a negative thing, but it does, these verses do imply this thing that we call headship. You see, and we see that just a few really days later, or weeks later, or months later, God creates Adam and Eve. And then just a little while later, we don't know how long. We have the fall of mankind where Eve sins. She takes the fruit and then she gives it to Adam. And, uh, and, and Adam sins the first sin uh, by human beings. And God comes down to the Garden of Eden and he starts looking for him. And, and, and what God doesn't do is he doesn't walk around and say, Hey, Adam, Eve, where are you both? Need to talk to you. He doesn't go around and say, hey, Eve, I heard you sin first. I need to talk to you. Where are you, Eve? That's not what God does. God goes down and he says, Adam, where are you? Adam, me and you need to have a talk. All right, men are supposed to step up and lead within the family. And we see that all the way back on creation or in creation. God, he made us different. We're equal. We're valued the same. But he made us different. We live in a society today that doesn't want to acknowledge the differences between man and woman. We live in a society today that wants to make them, that values them equally. That part's good, and that's how God, God again, values us equally. But we live in a society today that wants them equal, and to them, that means the same. That's not how God values, that's not what equality means to God. The same is not equality. All right? And if you're questioning that, some of you guys need to go study a diagram or something, because we are different, all right? Um... God made men and women different, even physically, all right? Men are physically stronger. We, we, we know that. We can see that. God made men that way. That's why when I'm laying in bed at night and I'm laying there and I hear a loud noise and it wakes me up, that's why I don't elbow Kate and say, hey, Kate, go check on that. I don't do that. All right, men, we are the protector of the family. We're physically stronger than anyone in our family. Actually, what I usually do is I usually just roll over and just hope for the best. You know, I'm like, I don't know what that was, but I'm not getting up. Men are also lazy, okay? I'll admit that. 
The Bible is saying, wives, you need to allow your husband to lead. There's like two different, there's like two different kinds of women in here that, that I've seen, or wives, I guess. And that is, there's one wife who, you know, she, she likes to rule. She likes to lead. She wants the leadership uh, aspect in the marriage. That's not good. There's the other wife who she doesn't want to lead, and, uh, and, she, and she won't, it's like, it's like she, I don't know, it's like the, the husband won't step up and lead, and she doesn't know really what to do about that. And so I totally understand that, wives, you need to allow your husbands to lead, and you need to follow him, and, and I totally understand that's super hard. But it won't be easy for him to lead if he has to constantly compete for leadership within the home. He won't do it. For me personally, I know for Kate, she's super good at this, and, and, um, and I love her, and, and she willingly submits a lot, and I, and I recognize that. I totally, I totally get it. I see that. And when she does that, when she submits to me as her husband, all right, it actually makes me want to lead better. It makes me want to do better. You know, part of it is like, man, I hope I don't mess up. I hope this is the right decision. You know what I mean? But it makes me want to do better. And so, wives, you need to allow your husband to lead. And when he does, when he finally steps up and leads, you need to follow him. Husbands, it's on you now. The idea of leading probably isn't what you think. Okay, that doesn't mean you get to sit on the couch all day and boss your wife around and get served by your wife. It doesn't mean you get to, to um, demean her in any way. It doesn't mean you get to dominate her. That is not leading the way that God calls you to lead. God has a much different opinion of what leading in the home actually means. And so God gives you instructions on how uh, to do marriage next. We see that God says this, husbands. Love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church. So love your wives. How? Just as Christ also loved the church, and he gave himself up for her. You hear that, men? You hear what God's calling you to do? How does God expect you to exercise this unique leadership responsibility that God has given you within your home? How? He's saying you have to sacrifice yourself for your wife and for your children. That's how you do it. You need to be willing to lay down your life. And Paul, when he's writing this, he's writing this to a church in uh, a big city called Ephesus. And, um, and he's writing this. I mean, this is just a few years after Christ has died on the cross. And so they are all hearing this. And they hear what Paul has to say. And they're like, okay, so I need to... Uh, I need to you know, love my wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Wait, 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 wait. I know that story. Wait, that's about him dying on the cross. That doesn't end well for Jesus. Like, like he dies for him and he died for us. He died for the church. And I think that's kind of what Paul's trying to get across. I think he's like, yeah, you understand? Man, it's going to cost you something. It has a cost. That might mean that you're willing to not sleep as much. Might mean that you're willing to not always do the things that you want to do or buy the things that you want to buy. Means that, that you need to be willing to get up and help. Sacrificial love. 
And let's be honest, sometimes we find this type of love difficult. I totally get it, you know, even in my life because I am a terrible, terrible person. I'll get home and it'll be a long day at work and it'll be rough and work didn't go the way that I expected it to go. And, um, and I'll get home and I'll be honest, sometimes I don't feel like talking to my wife. I love her. I care for her. But sometimes I just don't feel like talking to her. Sometimes I don't feel like playing with my kids. All I want to do is sit on the couch and watch a game. But that's not what Christ, that's not what God has called us to do. I need to be willing to sacrifice my time, energy, and effort for my family. And I totally understand that. Some of you men, you're out there and you're hearing this and you're like, you're like, but, but you don't understand. I didn't sign up for this. Okay, I didn't sign up for cancer. I didn't sign up for her extended family. They're driving me crazy. She used to be so, so different. She's not the same person as when we were dating. She's not the same person as when, uh, back when we, we got married. It, she's a completely different person. And I totally understand that your wife isn't going to match. She's not going to hit all of your lofty expectations. I get that. That's the whole point. But some of you, you need to learn to love your wife now and not just who you hope she becomes someday. Well, if she, would, if she would try harder in this area, if she would master this skill, if she would change in that way, then, you know, then I could truly love her. That's not how Jesus was with us. I mean, think about it. Jesus doesn't come to us and say, hey, I promise to love you if you do all these lists of things, you become this person who I want you to become. It's not what God does. He doesn't come to us and say, hey, you know, I'll, I'll die for you. But first, I'll sacrifice myself for you. But first, you got to do all these things. you got to become this person that I want you to become. That's not how God treats us. That's not how Christ sacrificed himself for the church. That's what Paul's saying. Okay, that's not how it works. Don't love who your wife can be. Love who your wife is. Paul, he actually wraps up this section in verse 33. We're gonna, we skipped a section. We talked about that last week. And so... Um, to kind of wrap this up, he says, Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself. We have no problem doing that. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. See, he, he kind of mentions these two things. He's like, okay, if you didn't get anything else that I was talking about, this is what I want you to understand. Uh, the first thing is, is, husbands, you need to love your wives. All right, guys, that means your wife needs to feel loved. Women need to feel loved. That doesn't mean you show her the love in the way that is easiest for you necessarily. That means she needs to feel on the inside. She needs to feel your love for her. Women, guys need to feel respect. That doesn't mean you show him respect in the exact way that, that you might, you know, want him to show respect to you. That's, that's not what I'm saying. He, he needs to feel respected his way. Wives, that's your job, is to show him that respect. See, women need love, and men need respect. And that's how Paul ends this part. See, you want to eliminate the gap between expectations and experience? The answer is this. Women, wives, allow your husband to lead. And show him respect. Make him feel respected. That should be your goal, is you want him to feel respected by you. And when he leads, follow him. 
and then men, husbands. That means you need to step up and lead. That takes work. It takes sacrifice. It's going to cost you. And you need to do that in a self-sacrificial, loving way. You need to put your wife's needs first and then yours. That's how you're supposed to lead. By the way, I, let me, I shouldn't necessarily have to say this, but, but I will because I know this happens. All right, you want to undo anything that God has done in this series between last week and this week in the heart of your spouse? You want to undo that like super quick? Get in the car, drive out of here and say something along the lines of, hope you heard what the pastor said today. <laughs> let me just throw this out. You make a terrible Holy Spirit. It's not going to work. That doesn't help anybody. Men and women don't change because of nagging. We don't. All right, don't do that. All right, I totally get, uh, well, you know, if I take all the pressure off, then she'll spend all my money. Maybe. But if I take all the pressure off, he'll, you know, he'll just spend all of his time at work. He's never going to come home. You need to stop worrying about trying to change the other person. The instructions, like to wives, men, that's not for you. The instructions to husbands, wives, that's not for you. All right? You need to look at God's instructions for you. You need to put this marriage together the right way. The truth is, we don't got this. The truth is that mindset... Um, in our minds, it just doesn't work. We don't have this. We're not good. Okay, we're not going to make it work. We're not going to figure it out necessarily along the way without God's instructions of how to put it together right. And if we follow God's instructions for marriage, we won't fall into the gap between expectations and experience. It won't matter. Let's stand up and pray. Dear God, we, uh, we love you, Lord. And to be all, to be completely honest, marriage is tough. It's hard. It's difficult. God, we ask that you would help us men to lead and to lead in a loving, loving way where a wife feels loved. And God, we ask that you would help the wives in here, that they would submit, that they would allow their husbands to lead. They, they would make their husbands feel respected. God, you invented marriage. This is your deal. God, help us to use the instructions that you have given us to make our marriage stronger, to do marriage the way that you call us to do that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll see you guys back here next week as we continue on in the series.